Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Check it out. Hello, everybody. My name is Jamie, and I am the Revive Young Adult Minister here at Hope's West Moines Campus, and I'm so glad that you're here. There are so many different places that you could be as a young adult um, in this metro area of Des Moines, but you're at church on a Thursday night, uh, and that's awesome. I'm so glad you're here, and as we say a lot, we think that God is also really excited that you're here. So tonight is a special night. There's going to be a, a lot of different kind of moving parts. I'm really excited about all of it, and one of the things I'm really excited about is that we are joined tonight by the Reverend Dr. Caroline Benke Becker. <laughs> so Caroline, I know, woos for Caroline. Woo, Caroline. Uh, Caroline, <laughs> this is going to be a really fun night. <laughs> okay, so Caroline, you are a reverend, you are a doctor, you are yep. a different kind of reverend doctor than Richard, yep. who yep. joined us a couple weeks ago. Yep. Can you share with us just a little bit about what that means? I'm a real doctor. I prescribe medicines. <laughs> You are an OBGYN. An OBGYN. Um, and so that means I take care of women, uh, reproductive health care, babies, surgery, all that good stuff. And right now I'm, I'm focusing on, especially in teaching new doctors, how not to kill patients, essentially, is what I'm doing. So Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then you also are a pastor. I am also a pastor. I've been a pastor here at Hope for ooh, a long time. Yeah, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say years. Um, been a pastor here at Hope for a long time, so it's really kind of fun for me to be able to to use both of those aspects of the right and the left brain um, together. So yeah, yeah. So I, if if one part of my life is boring, I just go turn to the next part. And, or if it's crazy, I, yeah. I'm sure both of them are pretty exciting. Uh, yep, yes. yes, in very different ways. You did a procedure this morning, and you're uh-huh. speaking tonight. So, yeah, well, yeah full day. You know. So we are in the last week of a sermon series that we've been doing for several weeks called The Heart of Hope. We've been looking at our mission, vision, and five core values, not because we think that they are so great, but because our mission, vision, and values point us straight to Jesus Christ as a church. This is our rudder. This is what keeps us from hopefully going off the rails. And so tonight we're looking at um, our core value number three, because we went a little bit out of order. Tonight we're talking about we worship God, not tradition. There are a lot of really incredible traditions that we celebrate globally as a church. Those are really important. They guide us into really worshipful experiences a lot of the time. Around here, though, however, we like to remember that we worship God, not tradition. And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. But before we dive into all of that, and also as a way of diving into all of that, I want Caroline to start by sharing a little bit about her story, um, how you grew up, how you grew up in church, what that was like for you, and you can take it away. Absolutely. Well, I'm an Iowa farm kid, grew up on the farm, and the church that I went to literally was a mile and a half down the road, and it was a country church that had been started by four families that I was all related to. So when I went to church, uh, I was related to about 80% of the people there, so it felt like home very much like home. So I was really lucky to to grow up in a church where I felt nurtured and supported, 
lots of grace, not much fire and brimstone sort of thing. I didn't have much of that. It was a Lutheran church. Um, and I always knew Jesus. I always knew Jesus was my friend. He was never scary. He was always with me. You know, the, the Sunday school song, song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, that's, that's, that's how I grew up. Um, and it just is core. Now, because of the way God wired me, I'm somebody who always asks questions. And that, you know, the two-year-olds who say, why, 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 I never stopped. Um, <laughs> The problem with that was, is that I, as I grew up, and especially like in confirmation, which is you know, junior high sort of thing, and then moving into high school, I kept asking why and how come, it, it doesn't make sense, and how come it says this here and it doesn't say this here, and I drove my pastor nuts, absolutely nuts, to the point that one day he looked at me, and I am not kidding, he said, if I answered that question, you couldn't understand it. Because to understand it, you have to go to seminary. Well, the problem was is that in the church group that I grew up in, women could not be leaders, they could not be pastors, they could not go to seminary. So what he was telling me is, you can ask all the questions you want, but you ain't getting any answers. That did not go over well with me. Okay, I am logical, I'm rational, I'm a scientist. That's who I am, that's who God made me to be. So I took Jesus and essentially checked out of the church. Um, it, it just, I, Jesus never told me that I wasn't, couldn't get the answers. It was the church that did. And so as I, as I, as I kept Jesus with me, but then as I grew and went to, to college, one of the classes that we had to take as a freshman was the literature of the Old and New Testament. So I read um, Genesis chapters one and two, the creation stories. Stories, plural. Stories, plural. And I love talking about that. Anyway. So, uh, the whole and, vibe of the room just changed. People are like, what, there's two creation stories? <laughs> there are, in scripture. Yes, yes, absolutely. In this book. Oh, not a it, different book. This is just the one, this is just the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> not a special one. Yeah, so, and if you're interested, I, I will go over hours and hours. Anyway, so, I discovered the two, the two creation stories that the church that I had grown up in had cut and pasted the things that made them sound like what they wanted the Bible to sound like. And by doing that, by taking those and cutting and pasting, they developed a whole theology that um, included things like women were less than, women could not lead, be a part, that, that sort of thing. And at that point in time, that's it, institutional church, I am done. The problem with that is Jesus is still with me and he's still nudging and as I'm in medicine, I am encountering God every day. Because a human body, it's miraculous. It is elegant, it is intricate, it was created to heal itself. It was amazing. And then I get to do OB. And mm -hmm. I get to see babies born. I get to walk along. It, it, so I encountered God every day, and that's the God, that's the Jesus I knew and read about in the Bible. And the tradition of the church didn't look like the Jesus I encountered every day. And so I took Jesus with me, and I left a lot of the traditions of the church behind. Yeah. What was your journey back into the church like? I, um, in medical school, I was too busy to go, quite frankly. Uh, I, I, I <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> funny, funny story, though. The, the church that I went to in Iowa City, um, I went to med school at Iowa City, um, 
was, uh, was the first time I encountered a female pastor. Um, it was out, I, I grew up in Missouri Synod. For most of you, that means nothing, and that's okay. It's just that that's a really conservative branch of the Lutheran church. And the church that I went to in Iowa City was much more, what was much more progressive, was much more open. And so that was the first time I saw a woman lead, and it was fantastic. In um, residency, there was no way. But I did connect to a church because there was something in me that needed that, that community, that worship, that gathering together to do more than just my own, my own private Bible study. Um, and so I connected with a church that was Lutheran, but was what we are now, ELCA. In other words, that we embraced the entire body of Christ, both men and women, and the Holy Spirit gives gifts not based on gender, but how the Holy Spirit gives. So if you happen to be uh, a man with hospitality, which is what the women were supposed to do when I grew up, that's what you're supposed to do. And if you're a woman with leadership capabilities, that's what you were supposed to do. So that's how I came back into the church. It's really beautiful. So tradition was gatekeeping you from stepping into the call that God had on your life to yeah. lead and to be a pastor and all that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So as we talk about tradition, you've heard a little bit about church tradition. Maybe you hear some of your story um, resonating or different themes coming out as you hear Caroline's story. I want to put a pin in that and just talk about tradition as young adults in general. We really, I, I love traditions. There's some traditions that really just feel like home for me. There's also just overall traditional ideas of what it looks like to move into adulthood. So try this idea on for size, this progression from uh, you, when you graduate high school, it is tradition in our culture that you just go to college. And in college, um, after college then, you would get a job in your field of study, maybe in college or right after college, you meet a special someone, and then you get married after you date for a year, maybe two, you have a couple of kids, and then you just stay in that job, your first job after college for the rest of your life. Now, yeah, I know, laughable. <laughs> I think my, uh, my middle sister had 13 W-2s the year after she graduated. Uh, I had one, but that just shows you the millennial experience graduating from college just in the last uh, couple of decades, right? So, but this is tradition. How many of you, you can just nod your heads or just look at me, whatever, feel like this is a tradition that has been handed to you and expected of you? There's a lot of this that just feels like this is the tradition, this is the way of, that you do it. Now, I also don't need you to nod or respond in any way, but how many of you feel like you're living this out? <laughs> For me, this has not been the thing. Parts of it have been the thing, but not all of it has been the thing. And so tradition can be helpful as a guiding post, but tradition is not helpful as a yardstick when it comes to measuring success or life. Right. There is no one-size-fits-all. Um, and when you read the Bible, you realize there is no one-size-fits-all. Um, when you look up worship, there is no one-size-fits-all that's in the Bible. Um, and so the, the idea that your life has to be one-size-fits-all, that, that you have to follow the tradition, parts of the tradition are good. You should grow up. You should find your, you should find your purpose in life. You should, con you should contribute whatever God has called you to do in your community but how you do that, that's gonna be unique to you. Mm. The traditional will give you some guidelines and say, you know, you need to grow up and, and like I tell our kids, um, you know, the, the parent gravy train, that's, you're off the paycheck. You're off the payroll. You know, that's the tradition in our house. <laughs> 
Move um, out. It's time to move out and, and move into the cool things that God has for you to do. Yes. So the analogy that strikes me um, when we're thinking about tradition is this. I love Christmas. It's one of my favorite holidays, and I love the tra- I just heard somebody go like, mm, yeah, I love Christmas <laughs> traditions. I love, well, whatever, without going into what we do. I just, I love it. I look forward to those Christmas things every year. Sometimes they're a little bit different. But the thing about Christmas traditions is anytime I try to hang my hat on this tradition being the thing that brings me the joy of Christmas, I'm going to miss the point of that thing because I'm going to be expecting it to bring me Christmas joy rather than letting that tradition be the thing that guides me into the relationships with people that we do this thing and I can't wait to see you again. Um, It is the people and it is what we are celebrating that really brings the joy. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing when we talk about traditions in church. Traditions in church are supposed to guide us into relationship with Jesus Christ. They're things that commonly, for maybe a lot of people, have helped over centuries, but it is not one size fits all. And so the text that you heard read for us earlier is from Mark chapter 2, and Jesus is talking about old clothing and new patches. You wouldn't put a new patch on an old piece of clothing because they've stretched out differently. It's just going to tear old wineskins with new wine, which is something that Caroline... (laughs) Caroline, will you talk to us a little bit about what and unpack what this means? Um, These two analogies don't make sense to us today in our culture. Um, So we have to actually put it back into Jesus's culture. At that point in time, If you try to patch old clothing that had been washed and everything with something that was brand new off the loom, they would would shrink the next time they were washed in different ways so that the patch would pull away. So you would never take something new and put it on old. Same thing with the the old wineskins. Wine ferments, so it it, it expands. Um, So you're not going to put, and so it expands and it it stretches the wineskin. So, you're not, so it's been stretched out. You're not going to put something new in that old wineskin that's going to ferment because it's not going to stretch anymore. It's called, the, 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 the basis is we've got clothing, let's make sure that we're taking care of it well. The, it's the same message of clothing, same message of wine. It's the same thing, but we have to, we, depending on where it's at, we've got to do something new with it. The gospel message is the same. Jesus loves me, this I know. Period. Jesus loves me, this I know. Now, how I'm going to explain that um, is going to change depending on the context. I mean, Jamie and I were talking today and we were laughing. Paul, the Apostle Paul, um, never thought that, that he would have to talk to a generation uh, via TikTok. <laughs> but... Isn't that the way that we get the old message, the unchanging message, Jesus loves me, this I know, to people today? Mm. But if we are stuck in tradition, oh my gosh, it can only be hymns. Yeah. With the pipe organ. Like, that's going to go over. The thing that I... (laughs) And the thing that I love that we say often around hope, and this is the first time I'd ever heard it, is that 
scripturally speaking, traditional worship is not organ. It is <laughs> stringed instruments like guitars. So if anyone ever tells you that we ought to do the traditional worship via organ, you can be like, actually, that's not quite correct. That's very <laughs> Biblically, traditional worship in, involves guitars and drums symbols. and cymbals yeah. and a beat and things uh-huh. like that. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. So Jesus actually got pretty spicy with, relig- with religious leaders. Yeah, he's not spicy. Uh, with religious leaders who were all about doing things the same old way. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. there is an entire chapter of scripture in Matthew chapter 23 where Jesus, paragraph after paragraph after paragraph, says to religious leaders, woe to you, you are a hypocrite. It's a fantastic chapter if you ever just feel like being spicy. Um, So (laughs) Caroline and I have pulled out two verses. Um, I'm going to read them to you. Jesus says to the religious leaders, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law? You are hypocrites. You are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish But inside, you are filthy. You are full of greed and self-indulgence, you blind Pharisee. First wash the inside of the cup and the dish, then the outside will become clean too. And then he follows in the next verses. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs. This like gets me every time. Beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. No, thank you. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus is saying, be authentic. Be who you are. Encounter God the way he wired you to encounter him. Worship the way that feels authentic to you. For some people, it's, hype, it's pipe organs and hymns. That's the way my parents worship. And it is life-giving. Not true for my kids. They grew up here with praise songs. If the best way you encounter God is quiet time out in, in nature, get out there. If your best way of encountering God um, is through serving other people, serve. Don't be bound by tradition, or as we talked about, tradition is code word for culture. Tradition is code word for um, worldview. Don't worship the culture. Worship the God who loves you. However it, it makes him more and more real to you every time you, you come into his presence. And now this is the part of all of this that makes me sweat just slightly because I'm about to to get real, real about a couple of things. When we talk about tradition equaling culture or tradition equaling a worldview, that we don't worship culture or worldview, we worship the God who's made us and created us, you can also substitute that for Christian worldview. Sometimes as people of Jesus, there are Christian worldviews that have the name of Jesus attached to them that don't actually have Jesus attached to them. We can claim the name of Jesus that, oh, I I heard this thing in my church, whatever, and you should be able to believe the things that you hear in church, but you should also know scripture well enough that you are not just biblically literate, that you are biblically fluent to be like, that's not the Jesus that I know from this book. The church that I grew up in was very different than a Lutheran church. Uh, But somewhere around my junior year of high school, I was doing this thing where I was reading the Bible every night because I thought that was the sort of thing that I needed to do to be a good Christian. 
And I started to realize that the Jesus I was reading about in scripture was a whole lot more loving and grace-filled than the Jesus that I was hearing about in church. And I made the difficult decision to leave, even though my best friends were there and my best friend's dad was our youth pastor, and it was pretty awkward. But there was the name of Jesus attached to a lot of biblical ideas that when I got to know the Jesus of the Bible, there was some cognitive dissonance there. And so I'd like to draw a link to uh, some things that are happening now in the news because I want us to think about when does our tradition, when does our political ideology, when does the social media account uh, influencers that we follow, when do those things become our hope rather than the God that we worship? It's been a really heavy week. Mm. It's been a really heavy week. It's been a really heavy couple of weeks. There was a shooting at North High School recently. There have been other shootings around the country in the last week. Several have made national news, but not all of them. They've all been really politicized. Now I want you to notice a couple of things. All of the things that you're gonna hear about on news or social media are gonna have three main themes at the moment. When we grieve, there are three, three of the many stages of grief are Anger, denial, and blame. Can you think of any times recently on social media when we think about uh, how we talk about these shootings that have happened and other difficult things, how much anger there is, how much denial there is, and how much blame there is? It's really easy to point a finger at the different political ideology, the different ideas for the solution uh, that, that people who we disagree with want to have, and our tradition becomes our hope. If they can just believe what I believe, then that'll save America. <laughs> if our tradition becomes the thing that we can hang our hats on, then we're gonna be saved. That's not biblical. We don't hang our hat on tradition, on a Christian worldview, on anything other than the Jesus that we meet in scripture, the Jesus who gets really spicy with religious leaders and political leaders of the day saying, you've missed it. You are a whitewashed tomb, but you are dead inside. You think that washing your cup makes the inside of your cup good? It's about worship. It is about connection with the God who loves you and made you and delights in you, who can't wait to be with you every day when you wake up. That's where we hang our hat and that is where we place our hope, not on a tradition or an ideology that we think somehow God is connected to. And so uh, there's going to be a lot of leaders who try to use emotion in the coming days and weeks to reinforce their political narrative. If we would like to, as a Jesus-based church, as a church who wants to navigate through a very polarized world and find a third way through the mess, we're gonna have to get curious and grapple with this question. How can God's voice lead louder right now than our traditions, than our ideologies, than our political stances, than the influencers that we follow or the politicians that we voted for? And so I know that that feels really heavy for me. I'm sweating up here telling you this, but it's true. It's true, and I I need you to know this because we have a political election this year. We're two years away from a presidential election. Our traditions are going to continue to be the thing that people will want to use to save the world. But it's Jesus. Jesus is where we get our hope. Mm -hmm. I just went on a little 
Do you have anything you want to add or clean Preach me up on? Sister. Okay, great. Thanks. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're going to do some fun things. And before we do that, do you have any kind of final comments you want to add about we worship God, not tradition? It's, if we worship God and not tradition, it's the most freeing thing that you will ever experience. Um, because Jesus is all about freedom. Um, Jesus is all about um, calling you to him. And when you, are in, when you are worshiping, when you are following him, um, he's going to be the one to guide you. So let him be the guide. Um, and let, the, let him bring the guardrails around you. And let's do it in community, not by ourselves. Let's do it in community. One of the things we had talked about, the importance of community is community does not equal echo chamber. Oh, yeah. We don't just do church with people who believe the exact same things that we do. We need to read scripture and get to know the Jesus that people different than us know. Mm-hmm. How does the orphan see and meet the Jesus of scripture? How does the immigrant see and meet the Jesus of scripture? How does the widow or the leper or the person that you politically disagree with meet the Jesus of scripture? We have to do this church thing in that kind of community, not just the echo chamber. And the other thing too is the, the good news about Jesus is that when Jesus came, it marked this, in, this world-changing pivot that pre-Jesus, we communed as people of God with God through sacrifices, through very kind of specific sets of, of this covenant life mm-hmm. with God. Mm-hmm. Jesus came not to set us free from that, but to fulfill all of that. And to then, when Jesus left, send his spirit that lives with us, that is in this room right now, that longs to love on you, to lead you, and to guide you through really difficult decisions and days to come, to bring you joy, to bring you peace, to bring you goodness, to bring you self-control, to bring you all of the goodness of heaven. That is what Jesus does when Jesus fulfills traditions and frees us. And I want you uh, to get to know this Jesus if you haven't already, and I hope that you experience this Jesus here tonight in some way, shape, or form. And so with that, we're gonna transition into a time of doing some different worship stations. We've got a couple different options for you, and I am so excited to tell you about some of these. Well, all of them. So if you are feeling like you might want somebody to verbally pray for you tonight, we've got five verbal prayer stations. Uh, You can just go up to any of our trained Revive prayer partners and say like, hey, can you pray for me tonight? And you can say, I'd like prayer for my grandma. Uh, I'd like prayer for my job or career transition I'm considering. Or you could just say, I don't really know. I just kind of felt like I wanted prayer. (laughs) That's okay too. So logistically, where these prayer stations are located is there's three in these kind of window well bench areas in this back corner here. So there's three there and then two in this room uh, with windows right back here. So you have five prayer stations that you can utilize. We also have some tables that you may have noticed in the back with paint on them. We have a, oh, I meant to bring it up here with me, but I forgot. We have a Heart of Hope bookmark that is on watercolor paper, so you can take the mission, vision, and values with you, not because it's about our mission, vision, and values, but because it's about this Jesus that frees us through these um, and keeps us from going off the rails. Uh, You can watercolor on it, you can Sharpie on it, and then you can take it home. 
Um, and so there's some watercolor back there. And a, a technical logistical thing is there's these tiny little, they look like shot glasses. <laughs> They're plastic. <laughs> you can just dip those into the water buckets and then take them with you to your watercolor station. And then you can just use that. And then you can just dump it back into, there's two buckets. One is full of clean water. You can just dump your watercolor shot glass back into the, the empty pail and get the dirty water there. Uh, and then the, we're, I'm going to skip the index cards. We, we can also worship. We're going to give about five minutes for you to go get prayer. Not that that's your only five minutes, but just to kind of get you started. And then we're going to start to worship. Jacob and the team will come up. And if you want to sit wherever you are and just worship and sit, if you want to stand, if you want to go roam in the back and worship, that worship, this worship service becomes then a station And then the last one is the index cards. This is just kind of a fun thing that we decided to do as a prayer team. Our Revive prayer team came last night and asked God, God, we've got this really fun night tomorrow night. If there's any encouraging words that you might want people to know, what would those things be? And if they felt like maybe they heard a word or a Bible verse or a picture or a drawing, we wrote it on index cards. And then we asked God, God, what chair do you want us to tape these to? So underneath you, there may, don't check now, but in a minute, there may very well be one index card, two index cards. There's one chair, I think, with four index cards. I feel like God really wants to communicate with you. I don't know. <laughs> I hope it's all good. And so what I, what I invite you to do is, uh, logistically speaking, there's kind of a metal bar underneath the front of your chair. It's taped to the top of it so that kind of was just lay on that. So you might have to feel around for a, what, for a little while. If your neighbors leave, you can kind of get down there as one of the stations. And if that word or a picture or Bible verse feels good to you, awesome. If it feels sideways or weird, hand it to the person next to you. <laughs> just kidding. Um, and if there's anything on those cards that stir up for you something, go get some prayer about it. Uh, so I think that all makes sense. And I'm just going to pray over us, and then we can kind of move into our time of station. So I invite you to to pray with me. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you free us. We thank you that you free us in love to be who you created us to be, to worship you authentically, to be in community as our authentic selves, to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ who loves us, who frees us, who gives us grace endlessly, and who longs to be in connection with all of us. God, we give this time to you. We ask that you would move however it is that you'd like to, through art, through prayer, through reading whatever index card may or may not be under our seat. As we sit, as we take a breath and a beat because of how difficult this week has been, God, politics won't free us. Social media won't free us. Influencers won't free us. You free us. Set us free tonight in this place. Help us to hear your voice. We love you and we ask all this in Jesus' precious name and all God's kids said, amen. Let's get to it. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.